A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Star Wars Film Festival, where the lore hounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the 2002 film, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing the movie's production, the plot, and impact on the Star Wars universe, followed by some listener feedback. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of July. Real quick, we have a Patreon, and if you're interested in supporting us anyway, check us out at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We're just coming to the end of our one-year anniversary in July of 2023. We've prepared a really cool thank you gift that we're going to send out to anyone who's subscribed at the end of the month. Stick around to the end of the podcast. I'll have some more information about that. We love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air, so send us feedback for the next episode. You can send emails to starwars at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server and we can include those comments as well in future shows. Links to all of that in the show notes below. David, we're continuing through the Star Wars universe. I don't think we have to go too deep into Star Wars history as we've done that on the first film on The Phantom Menace, which you can check out on our feed now. But uh, I want to just give a quick... 30 seconds on on your Star Wars vibe? I'm a child of 77. Uh, <laughs> I was born a little while before that. But yeah, uh, saw it live in the theaters. Uh, the first trilogy, the first set of, of three movies are my nostalgia as a kid. And without question, Rogue One and Andor are my favorite of all Star Wars properties. And I think... Uh, you know, being a surface level fan, I haven't dug deep into the fandom, but as we are 
now taking on Star Wars as a main part of all of the podcasts that we do. I'm learning, learning more and, and really absorbing all of this stuff and having a fun time getting into the extended uh, Star Wars universe. Cool. Yeah. You? I uh, I was born in the 90s, and so I was a prequel kid, though I probably saw the original trilogy before I saw any of the prequels. Mm. It's funny, my dad was really into the original trilogy, my grandpa was really into the prequels for some reason, so I got it from both sides, and I like to think I appreciate the prequels for what they are, and I leave them for what they're not. And uh, so that'll be it'll be fun revisiting these as yes. we work our way through some Ahsoka background and then work our way into the Ahsoka series as a main character from the Clone Wars who never shows up in any movie. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, becomes becomes the headline of our own show. We should make a mention, too, with the Star Wars Film Festival idea was that our our fans pelted us with lots of rotten fruit until we relented and we said, fine. I, I don't think well, it was rotten. You know, it was, <laughs> they, they, I think they sent us a fruit basket with a note. Oh, was it that? Oh, okay. Maybe by the time it got to me. Yes, it was a nice (laughs) request. Well, we're covering all of the major films. So that's all nine uh, main films. That's the three trilogies plus Rogue One plus Solo, right? And I think, I think we might sneak in a Star Wars special or something around the Christmas holidays. Yeah, we'll see what's going on. Um, We'll, We'll vibe check it. Right. But yeah, we're going to we're covering the the main uh, films just as part of our involved coverage in all of Star Wars. So this is our second podcast in the Film Fest. Yep. Yep. And we are back in 22 BBY. But before we get into the main story, I think let's give our general impressions spoiler free on the movie. Sure. I was surprised at how not bad this was. <laughs> okay. You'd <laughs> heard worse to... things than, than you saw? Yes. Uh, and, and, and I have worse memories than, than I remember. I think there's a tendency to pile in on the, on the prequels and um, give them some extra <laughs> hate. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> uh, you know, to, to really denigrate them and, and give them a hard time. And... There's a little bit of criticism warranted in in all three of the sure. the prequels, yeah. uh, but that said, if you're and I and I made a conscious decision going into this film festival that I was going to really look at the movies critically. I was going to be open to what the stories were trying to tell me to learn the deeper background, and I have to say that kind of change of attitude and change of point of view has been serving me well so far, two movies in. And while the first movie, the, um, uh, what? No, I can't even remember the, the Phantom name. Phantom Menace. Thank you. The Phantom Menace was super cringy in parts. Mm-hmm. And the pacing this, was a mess in the first movie, which yeah. I think this movie, while it didn't get perfect, got a lot better than the first one. A lot better. And then this movie is packed. Yeah. It has so yeah. much going on. There yeah. is a lot of adventure. There's a lot of action. They steer away from a lot of the cringy stuff. It's the romance cringe is there, but you know, we get away from the the Gungans and uh, some of the Trade Federation stuff, even though there's some classic lines yeah. in a in in a couple of places. I uh, think if you take out the romance subplot, it's a mm-hmm. seven or eight an eight movie. You know? Yeah. 
Ooh, I, think I don't know with if I'd the go romance, that high. It's more, it's more like a five or a six with the, yeah. with the romance. Ooh, yeah, you're really weighting that romance pretty heavy there. It's dry. Uh, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty yeah. bad. It's it's some of the worst romance writing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'll be honest. George Lucas should never write any more romance ever. Or he needs an editor, right? And he needs writers. And, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we've talked about that before. Yeah, so my overall impression is uh, a lot better than my – my expectations, my memories, like I weighted my memories so that there were it's worse than it really was. Uh-huh. So looking at it with a fresh view, I am not. Yeah, it's fine. It's not a great movie, but it's packed full of information. It's packed full of story building. It's packed full of plot stuff and everything. So, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a rich, fertile space for the Star Wars fandom. And, yeah. And uh, you really see where George was going with this, with mm-hmm. the politics of it. Right. And I, I think it's really fascinating to see this whole idea of endless war being a tool for people to maintain power. Mm-hmm. And that's even stronger within the Clone Wars animated series. But it really starts to take root here of this this idea of the Jedi, these peacekeepers losing their way by being drawn into pointless wars. This idea of, well, you might think that you're fighting for the good guys and they're fighting for the bad guys. Really, everyone's a victim of those at the top calling the shots. Mm hmm really big, great ideas from George Lucas right? that aren't always satisfactorily executed, mm-hmm. but they are there. Yeah, agreed. They are there. And these, I, I think we don't have a rich canon to build from with the anim- animated verse the uh, video games, which I don't play, so I can't speak to those really, but I'm just thinking of you know all things canon. And then the development of the television shows. Now, hit or miss on the television shows, that set aside, we don't get to having television shows without having the prequels, without right. laying the right. foundational elements of this era of the Empire, the Senate, all of these things, um, without... George having laid out his ideas in these first three movies, good, good or bad, the movies may be the story material within him really creates the the space for us to have all of these extended stories. Right. You know, I always think that the original trilogy works better as a narrative structure, as an adventure. Mm-hmm. But the prequels did a lot more to build out the Star Wars universe and Hugely. make it a bigger place. Yeah. And really did leave room even for post-original trilogy things, you know, post-Empire adventures like The Mandalorian, which is still dealing with Mandalore and still yeah. dealing with clones and with the, you know, the Jango Fett clones, and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all these things that that you don't realize, but they all come from the mind of George Lucas circa 2002. Right. And they were lines in a script, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, you fought with my father, General Kenobi, you fought with my father in the Clone Wars, you know, as a kid in 77. And I think I said this on a star uh, on a previous podcast. Whoa, Clone Wars, General, tell me more. Right. You know, they're they're just these little lines and they just create the space for really great stories. And, and he had to go back at some point and tell those stories, you know, get, get some of that idea, those ideas out of his head and onto celluloid. Right. Right. So David, 
we've talked about our general impressions a little bit. I think that we need to talk about a few production points on the film before we get started. Okay. I, I've just put down a few things. I think we talked mostly about the inception of the prequels and the CGI and how Lucas was sort of playing with technological advancements in The Phantom Menace. So if you want to hear more about that, check that podcast out. Mm-hmm. But one technological advancement that just started in this movie is that this was the one of the first few films released that was entirely shot on a digital camera being shot on the Sony and Panavision collaboration, the HDW F900. Interesting. What an exciting time to be involved yes. in digital film. <laughs> what an uh, exciting title of a camera. <laughs> yeah, Model you know, I, I've talked about being a trained audio engineer. Yes. Every audio engineer that I trained with lived through the 90s and early 2000s when digital was becoming a thing in audio. And they all say the same thing, which is that early digital sucked ass. Like, it was just <laughs> terrible. It sure. just sounded bad. It sounded really flat and lacking warmth and... And it just they just didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And now things have gotten a lot better. And that was 10 years ago. So even now it's even better. But I think I think you can see a little bit of that here with with Lucas's film. I mean, it's not like it's a bad looking movie, but I think that there are certain parts where you go, huh? <laughs> Did you ever hear the I, I, I assume it was a myth. I never tried it, but you could take on CDs. You're supposed to take like a green highlighting pen and color the back of it, and that would add warmth. That to the has sound to be a CD. lie. There's no. You're not. You're not using. It's not like a record where like the physicality matters. It's just a file. Right, but it was like it, the light. You know, it it added. No, to, you know. No, shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. Put your highlighters away, folks. Um, I, would, I would love to hear if somebody actually tried it ever. <laughs> Yeah, it might be psychosomatic if you if you listen to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, speaking of digital stuff, first movie with CGI Yoda. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Gosh, think about it. In the notice. in the Phantom Menace, you had puppet Yoda. Still, he was okay. he was talking. He didn't fight. And uh, you know, I was listening to a more civilized age a few months ago, and that's a podcast that does all Star Wars stuff, and it's a great podcast. They do they do more um, lore based podcast uh, star star wars stuff where they i know a lot of them have been with the star wars franchise for like decades and they were talking about how you know george lucas must have written this line and then yoda fights and that (laughs) that just made it impossible for puppet yoda to continue in this franchise right right and that's it's it's a shame because i really love puppet yoda and i think disney has sort of come full circle on that you know grogu's a puppet we had puppet yoda in the sequel trilogy but yeah they uh they went full cgi for this yoda you know i didn't even blink an eye but and maybe that's because uh i'm watching so much animated right now to try to catch up for ahsoka Mm -hmm. and i've just sort of lost the the differentiation between the practical and, and the digital. So I didn't even really consider yeah, that it yeah. was an all, all digital Yoda. This was the first time we had all digital Yoda. Interesting. Okay. Times. Uh, I wanted to add the infamous droid factory sequence was filmed yes. during reshoots because George Lucas watched the cut of the movie and said, we need a faster pace in this section of the film. Okay. So he added that. Wow. And that is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> it really is uh, a very video game 
Oh, what was the name of the, was it Dragon's Lair, Dragon's Quest? There was a video game that came out that was a, it was the first Laserdisc one. And you um, were this knight and you were going into this sort of Dragon's Dare thing. And you had to, at certain times you had to move your joystick to duck the swinging blade or. Yeah. Yeah. So like the cartoon one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And uh, so whenever I see this scene of the factory, I, I just think of that. Yeah, uh, of, it's not good. This. It's not good. I think that's that's one of the least favorite parts of the movie for me. And I think most of the people who watch it mm. uh, just drags out way too long. But uh, well, and it adds to that. Like I said earlier, th- this movie is just packed with stuff and, and yeah, it didn't need yeah. an extra action sequence. I don't need to know how the droids are made. Ridiculous. I'm. <laughs> Fine, you know we could uh, we could see a little bit, but yeah, this one went on and on and I know. on, and I then know. the silly stuff with C three PO getting the head and the body changed. It's it's interesting because we're we're watching Foundation right now while we're covering this, and there's a bunch of humor in that show, but none of it is ridiculous humor. It's all situational Most humor that's it. appropriate <laughs> to the to the story and to the characters yeah. and what's going on. Where this is just stupid stuff in the original 77 movie when we saw c-3po and r2d2 crossing the hallway and sort of missing all the laser bolts yeah it wasn't it's it's played for a laugh but it's not ridiculous right there is a seriousness to it and there's a there's a humor to it or you know and a lot of stuff with han solo being you know when a tool falls on his head or you know whatnot a box of tools falls on his head or whatever okay there's a little bit of a laugh there but it's always wrapped around serious things and things that are in line with the story. It's not, oh, hey, we need a stupid, humorous moment, right, so let's right. throw this ridiculousness in. Well, let's save it for the scene. For now, just a couple <laughs> more points. I just want an honorable mention for Hayden Christensen, cast mm-hmm. as Anakin for this movie. He was not in the last one because we had uh, baby Anakin in that right. one. But here he is, Hayden Christensen in all his glory. I think he's become a fan favorite of the Star Wars franchise, although it was poorly received at that time. Right. Um, one last point I had was that Lucas actually did bring on a second writer for this. It okay. was not just Lucas for this, which I didn't realize. He brought on Jonathan Hales, who worked on the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And okay. he worked on later drafts of the movie because George Lucas saw the reception to The Phantom Menace and said, oh, God, I need help. Right. And uh, it's a good thing he asked. I mean, I I don't know how much of Jonathan Hale's work made it into this final copy, but it does seem like the the movie is better paced for sure than The Phantom Menace. That is true. And I think the highs of this movie are better than the highs of The Phantom Menace. Yes, I would agree. The lows are at least as low as The Phantom Menace. (laughs) I, I, I felt that the lows were shorter and fewer between so it didn't drag that there's definitely a better pacing to this movie overall agreed right okay well david any other thoughts on this movie before we head into our summary no i think we can we can get into it a little bit more when we when we get into the into the uh, summary breakdown sounds good all right we're going to take a quick break when we get back let's hop in to attack of the clones
And we're back. David, it's time to talk about Attack of the Clones. Indeed. I've broken this up into a five-part summary by Major Story Arc. So let's get started on the first one, uh, and we will discuss each one after I read it. In 22 BBY, 10 years after The Phantom Menace, a teenage Anakin Skywalker is apprenticed to Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi. His crush, Padme Amidala, has given up queenhood to become the senator of Naboo. After traveling to Coruscant to vote on whether to create an army for the Jedi to use to fight the new threat of the Separatists, Padme survives two assassination attempts. Anakin is then tasked to escort Padme back to Naboo, where the two go from childhood friends to young loves through a very awkward courtship. Uh, okay, this is you. you Let's put get the, it out of the way. Yeah, you put the 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 least of. Uh, with the hardest part of of the stuff to deal with right up front. Yeah. So, but I enough. figured let's get it out of the way. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. <laughs> this was yeah, uh, just difficult, just awkward. Anakin, I could die. Unfortunate. <laughs> the the yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. I, I actually kind of almost want to just bypass it all. <laughs> we can we can bypass the romance. Why don't we do this? The romance was bad. Yeah, the romance was bad. It was very cringy. It was a soap opera, and I wish it were not in there because otherwise the movie's pretty good. Yeah, I I think we can. It doesn't. I the, the core motivation is this idea that, <laughs> and Anakin's relationship with women has <laughs> got problems, and that it sort sure of does. Um, leads to uh, a lot of problems for the the galaxy. In fact, right. Right. Uh, if, if he had only had a different relationship with uh, the women in his life, maybe things would end up differently. Uh, but yeah, obviously with his mother and then with his, um, his intense, I don't want to, I don't want to call it lust. It's not puppy love. Obsession. Obsession. <laughs> unhealthy obsession. It's crush. I've been calling his it crush. a crush. Yeah. Uh, it certainly crushed a lot of people. It uh, sure did. Crush. The whole uh, galaxy. But I, that that's the point is I think that that there's this weakness and instability caused by love. I don't know. Is that what is that what Lucas is saying? Is it loss? Is it hurt? Is it um, uh, mixture of un- it all? Right? Yeah. Uh, he loses uh, his mother. Expectations. He loses you know? his mother. He sort of puts it's it's a little weird. It's a little Oedipusy. But I think he puts a lot of that like maternal love into Padme as well. Totally. Yep. Yep. And the, just the fact of losing his mother at a young age, but old enough where he could remember her, which is what the Jedi were worried about. Right. And then having Padme, you know, I, I having Padme be held away from him, let's say, because he's not allowed to court her because he's a Jedi. I think it it all just creates this toxic self-loathing and and feeling of apartness for Anakin. And the Emperor um, very quickly sees that weakness, seizes Chancellor. on it. Chancellor, sorry, yes, Chancellor, Chancellor at Palpatine. This stage. Very good. Um, uh, and starts to use it and manipulate it and actually recognizes that 
this young, uh, doped up, doped up on midichlorians <laughs> youngster, <laughs> uh, who we get a similar storyline with Ezra in some ways, right? There's some parallels there in, in Rebels, right? Okay. Where, you know, you have a young, uh, a, a young one who's very powerful and yeah. as they're trying to struggle and grow, uh, as they're sh- struggling through their growth, the dark side offers easy ramps to power and right. uh, the ability to get what you want quicker and faster and, and be right. more effective without doing a lot of the extra work. It's just like Jedi Temple Challenge, which is the game <laughs> show that uh, uh, Ahmed Best hosted right? as Kelleran, uh, the, the Kelleran Jedi Beck. who... Yeah, Keller and Beck, the Jedi who would, and so there was there was a mechanic in the game show where Darth Maul would pop up every now and then, and it was that, the actual voice of Darth Maul who would over the loudspeakers be like, "Ha ha 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 ha! Would you like to come into the dark side? You get a shortcut, right? Oh, would, there you go. Perfect. But it would bite you later if you took sure. it. That was the mechanic in the game. I thought that was kind of a fun mechanic they put into that game show. But it's it's true. That's that's in line with the Star Wars universe, right? And then this whole idea of um, attachments, love, right. pain, fear, you know, to the dark side. And I mean, I'm sorry to bring up Rebels again. I was just watching uh, one of the episodes where uh, ooh, I can't I'm trying to not to say too much. Anyway, Ezra's going through some stuff and he's starting to use the power of the dark side. And, right. Um, right. And he's he's counseled to say, you know, use it, fuel it, you know, let it fuel you. And right. in that moments when he does let it fuel him, he really accelerates with his, uh, his ability to attack and, you know, fight right. in these lightsaber duels and stuff like that. So, right. um, this, this idea that this young doped up, very naturally talented Anakin, the, the dark side is, would, would totally be, uh, right. attractive to him. And the he dark has side was made for teenagers. Exactly, it really was. <laughs> and he's got he's full of grievance ar- around his mother and around Padme, and even yeah. to the point that he he is so upset that Padme thinks that he's just a little one. You know, he's just a little kid. She she doesn't even remember me when all along she's been totally in love with him the whole time, right? So he's he's I using don't know. This was pretense. she? That's a good question. Was yeah, she in love with question. him the whole time? Because I don't think so. I think up until. The middle of the movie, she sees him as a child mm-hmm. because she, little she knew him as a child, little Annie. Right. And, uh, you know, she she does call him Annie basically to the end. Yes. <laughs> so painful. Kind of weird. So, yeah. Does he does he woo her? But does he woo her just through br- brute brute force attack? Right. He's just constantly at her. Right. Uh, uh, what was the, you know, the writing, the, the beasts and then like he gets flipped over and she's worried that he gets crushed and she <laughs> runs to him. Oh boy. Yeah, right, it was tough. Right. But you know, even the romancing of her. So, so let's assume that she's open to his advances and even the, the, the uh, attempts of at romance that he makes are just ham fisted and awkward. And I blame the writing for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I again, I don't want to blame Hayden Christensen for this. No, 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 no. He did what George Lucas asked him to do. George Lucas reportedly wanted a very straight, emotionless performance from both of them Mm -hmm. because he wanted it to be he I think he liked the soap opera vibe. He wanted it to be like this, 
very straightforward drama like because because he wanted to showcase the sort of space operaness of it right he didn't mm-hmm. want it to be he didn't want it to be an action movie between them when it when it came to the romance yeah yeah interesting i, I just don't understand some of these choices but uh that he he's made. got he's got <laughs> some weird movies. vibes george lucas yeah yeah well one of my romance he's he's famously uh, quoted as saying these are tone poems like okay that's like a, a really bad excuse after the fact you know this you you packed these with action with lore you know everything from midichlorines to how a lowly senator becomes chancellor and you know right. ultimately emperor yeah. and you have clones and you have i mean you you packed a lot of stuff in here so these aren't just simply tone poems so right. you know so now that we've gotten that out of our system, <laughs> uh, the the whole setup as a spy drama, as this noir film. Yeah. What did you think about that? It was interesting because while uh, Anakin is off trying to find young love, we have Obi-Wan out on this cloning, you know, to discover what's going on with with the cloning stuff. Right. We also have the 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 whole thing about um, who who it, the the assassination attempts and then the sort of chase right. through the city. Right. So sort of a yeah. I was going for more CSI. of that since we're we're getting into the Obi Wan stuff still. But this right. this uh, he's crashing the car. He's he's jumping jumping up and down. He's losing his lightsaber. Anakin's a, a wild card. We've learned he's crazy. Yeah. And Obi Wan's just trying to pick up the pieces. He's he's trying to solve mysteries. It's it's a very big tonal shift from the Phantom Menace, especially because I feel like this is the movie that most focuses on Coruscant and the movie mm-hmm. that most feels like an urban Star Wars movie. Is this really when we get our our first forays onto Coruscant? I think in the movies, we this is really where we, we start to we see. We were on Coruscant in the Phantom Menace, but only really in the Senate Pavilion. Right. And that's not, it's not Coruscant. That's not the city of you know, the city planet. Uh, I, I think this is the second closest look we've ever gotten at Coruscant after the Mandalorian when we were in there uh, for a couple episodes. This this whole chase scene really gave me Fifth Element vibes, which obviously came after the, the fact. Um, so, yeah, was, I guess if we want to look back at it, then it's this idea that you have a planet that is kilometers deep stacked yep, with you yeah. know civilization that's a really cool concept and the thousands of levels yeah and that uh it's where have we seen that in in film or television prior i i can't think of any references that doesn't mean they're they're obviously not out there right but but i can think of a show recently that's a little more like that but sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but but yeah that's actually you know, so again, here diamonds in the rough. You know, you know, panning for gold here. There's a lot of great concept going yeah. on, and a lot of great yeah. lore building. The whole are, are we actually starting to talk about the Anakin uh, Obi Wan stuff yet? Or are we? Yeah, let's let's romance? go into the next section and talk switch. about that. Yeah. Uh, after the assassination attempts on Padme, Obi Wan is sent to investigate. He follows a trail of clues to, to discover a planet called Kamino, which has been erased from the Jedi records. He, there, he meets with Kaminoan scientists who tell him that Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas had ordered the creation of a clone army. 
He sees the army and meets their template, a bounty hunter named Django Fett. He also meets Django's son, an unaltered clone named Boba. When Obi-Wan realizes that Django was the one trying to assassinate Padme, the two face off, leading to Django's escape with a tracking beacon from Obi-Wan. So a lot of this was really interesting. This is new ground. This was pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, it's uh, Obi-Wan after dark, <laughs> you know, uh, the detective Obi-Wan doing his thing. I-, I felt he was a little clueless at times. He could have <laughs> played on a little bit more when he was talking to the Kaminoans, you know, oh, great job. Yes, uh, let's go. And he, but you know, Maybe the direction and, and the, the script writing was to leave yeah, him a little bit yeah. more obtuse. I actually, I, I liked how subtle it was, how, how they sort of showed how he was uneasy about it and he didn't want to lie to them as a Jedi, although, you know, Jedi mind tricks, whatever. Okay. Um, but also he he wanted to know more, so he's going along with it, just sort of sort of being there. I think I think Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is probably the best part of the prequels, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And uh, I, I just love spending time with him. I didn't love his beard, though. No. No, it looked pretty bad. His, <laughs> do you prefer his return of Revenge of the Sith beard? Uh, I think so. I think in this one, he it looked a little, uh, I'm trying to remember now, but it, I just remember his face not, it was just a little a little off okay. for me. But All whatever, right, that's enough. just me, right? You know, don't write in. Fair <laughs> enough. Save it. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the Cam and Owen stuff was all very cool. Great lore building. Uh, gives us a lot of holy smokes. There are deep, there are plots within plots here that have obviously been running for quite a long time. The fact that the Jedi are just, bl- the Jedi Council is just blind to this is incredible. It's gobsmacking uh, that, you know, Obi Wan is, is stumbling into this. I love how the Kevin Owens are like, oh, cool, a Jedi's here. Great. You know, right. Hey, They're like, yeah, around. we're ready. Yeah, Here your order is just about ready. You've come to the second drive-through window. <laughs> it's awesome, <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, th- this idea—well, obviously, clones become such a, a vital part of our our current era of the Star Wars stuff, with especially in the animated verse. Uh, so it's cool to see this—you uh, know, this world—and to meet the Kaminoans, you know, who are very different. Um, so yeah, I, I don't—I really didn't have any. Any issues with this section of the movie? Right. Do you know that they fully explain Sifo DS in the Clone Wars cartoon? Oh, okay. Maybe I didn't get to the season yet. Because what there's seven seasons of the Clone Wars. Yeah, there's Wars. seven seasons of it. I don't even remember whether they explain it, but Right. And um, I'm trying to I'm jam, I'm sort of pedaling sure, metal on uh, sure. uh Rebels right now. So Yeah, Rebels is more important for Ahsoka, so definitely yeah, exactly. definitely keep going on that. Um, if you don't want the Clone Wars spoilers, skip ahead a couple of minutes, but I'll just briefly say that sifo was a real Jedi. This was this was actually sifo who went to the Kaminoans. It was not Count Dooku. Mo- many people believe it was Count Dooku disguised, but it was not. We've confirmed in the okay. Clone Wars. However, Dooku made sure and Tyrannus is what he called himself. That's his that's his Sidious name. You know, that's his okay, that's his right. Sith name. Uh, so Darth Tyrannus makes sure that uh, Sifo Dyas dies above the Obadiah moon. And okay. they come across, I think, his assistant, I want to say. Sifo Dyas's assistant in the Clone Wars. And they find out that something weird happened with Sifo Dyas. And turns out that basically Tyrannus, which is Dooku, ended up being the main contact for 
the Kaminoans for a long time. And so that's how they kept their foot in. That's how Sidious and Tyrannus kept abreast of what was happening with the Kaminoans and the clones. And that's how they got the chip in. And actually, Sifo DS was part of why there was a chip in the clones. He actually was convinced that to prevent them from uh, becoming too aggressive, they should have an inhibitor chip in. Interesting. But then, Interesting. But then Sidious had it programmed for Order 66. Right. Yeah. So that's Famously. that's the deal with Sifo-DS. We've, we've learned the conspiracy theories are over. Sifo-DS was a real guy. He just died before he could see the creation of the clone army. Okay. Well, and a pretty visionary thing to create a, a clone army. Right. Right. I think I think he just heard that somebody could do it. Mm-hmm. So he was he was exploring options and he was like, wow, this is great. I'll take it. And it becomes a, a major part of the Star Wars, our Star Wars storylines. Right. right. Uh, but he went rogue. The Jedi Council did not authorize him to do this. No, but he then the Jedi super paranoid Jedi. But then the Jedi ended up using them. And well, uh, because uh, it was yeah, robot it, army to fight. <laughs> yeah, this this is the best part, honestly, of the prequel politics, which is. Sidious Palpatine knows to get the Jedi to become warriors, he has to fabricate a war and he has to make it too big for the Jedi to handle so that they have to create an army, making them into generals, making them the scapegoats for the war when it will inevitably drag on and go Go bad and become Mm -hmm. against public opinion so that when he has to say the Jedi tried to overtake the Senate, it's believable. Talk about, uh, you know, long range plotting here and, yeah. and uh, real fifth dimensional chess type stuff. Yeah. Here. It's yeah. pretty wild yeah. what, what uh, Palpatine gets up to. And then all inside of that, he's cloning himself. <laughs> so spoilers, yeah. you know, yeah. so that he, he's, uh, he's immortal. You know, he sort of creates a, a, a pathway to immortality for himself. I really wonder how Lucas would have felt about that. Mm. I, don't, I don't think he's revealed it because he probably has something in his contract. Like you can't comment negatively on Star Wars products or whatever. Yeah. And it would be, it would be, be it, it wouldn't be great. It wouldn't. Yeah. It'd be tacky. Yeah. 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 yeah but, um, Hey, if yeah, you ever meet him in a, you know, in a bar and yeah. buy him some shots, Georgie. you know, find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George, I love the Anakin Padme romance. Tell me more. Um, other points of this, Django Fett. So you get, I know you're a big Boba Fett fan. He was, he was a cool guy of your childhood. Yeah. You know, in the, the, he, he has this very small yet. He has his, his visage, his legendary status far outweighs his screen time. Mm -hmm. You see him for a moment on the bridge when, uh, Vader is ordering up some uh, bounty hunters to go go looking, right? Yep. And so you see this one dude, and then he dies one of the most ignoble deaths. Right? <laughs> you know, his rocket, you know, oh, and he gets eaten in the, by the Sarlacc. <laughs> but that's all, you know, we hardly had anything. Uh, well, obviously in, in Empire, when he takes, uh, you know, Solo uh, back. So his, his screen time is minimal. Yet his visage, his visage, his look, this helmet, this jetpack, the this Mandalorian armor, it was just cool. It it broke it it 
broke the top off the the cool uh, the rule of cool meter, right? It's like one of those thermometers exploding at the top. And so he was just a legend in our minds for, mm-hmm. from the original movies, but we didn't know squat about him. So did you like that he was given an origin story here? I didn't not like it. Okay. How, how about that? It didn't bother me. Okay. Uh, it everybody's got to have an people, origin That's story. why I ask. Yeah, some people yeah. say he didn't need it. Leave him alone. I, eh. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I, I like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not upset by it. It's fine. I guess the biggest criticism with it, and I, I take this criticism well. I think it's, I think it's a valid criticism. Is the more connections you make between characters from the different parts of this world, the smaller this galaxy feels, and you want it to feel bigger, yeah. not smaller. Right. So I guess if the argument goes, if you're going to make the clones be from Boba Fett's dad, and Boba Fett be a clone too. Then and Obi-Wan had beef with him and Mace Windu has beef with him. Then it just becomes a whole thing of everyone's everyone's cousin. But it's it would be fine, I think, if we didn't have the stupid stuff like C-3PO and R2-D2 going back all the way to, you know, you know. Yeah, that's probably the worst case. That's probably the worst case of it. Just don't do that. You know, bring him in somewhere else. It's fine some of it's some interconnectivity is fine i'm good with that but it's you know when we were talking about um the apple tv show foundation right now trying to adapt that series of books is really hard because it jumps millennia at a time right having a having connectivity through that time is helpful but it, we're not right. dealing with that scale in in this in in this uh in this series of stories right so yeah when everybody's your uncle's brother's college roommates dogs groomer all right space balls it just gets exhausting you know? are we gonna cover space balls i feel like we should add that we, we kind of should at this point <laughs> yeah i feel like we've referenced it like 10 times now in our podcast maybe that'll be like in april or something like that for yeah. an april fools thing or something that'd be you know? fun yeah that'd be fun because if we're gonna do the holiday special and we're December, extending our time huh that could and be, we're uh, be one fun. solo so we we got time we got time yeah 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 All right, let's move on. When Anakin dreams about his mother's suffering, the two go to Tatooine. That's uh, Padme and Anakin, uh, where they find out that Shmi, his mother, married a man named Lars, had children and was freed before she was kidnapped by the Tusken Raiders. Finding his mother dying in the Tusken camp, he murders not just the men, but the women and the children, too. He confesses his crimes to Padme, who gives him reassurance. When they learn of Obi-Wan's distress on Geonosis, they travel there. The the line, the <sighs> line, the line. Let's just let's just go with it. Not just the men, but the women <laughs> and the children too. So, going on the theory that Padme had kind of forgotten and let go her affection for little Annie, is this the moment when she falls in love with him when he becomes a genocidal murderer? <laughs> Great question. No, I think I think when they're on the I think if you're going to play by Georgia's rules, that happens when they're on the field on Nebu. Okay. That's their little turning point moment. Is is when she like admits that she has feelings for him and that she Oh, I could die, Anakin. What is that line? <laughs> 
Terrible. but anyway, so that's that's where the turning point happens, I think. Uh, this, honestly, I think Natalie Portman played her pretty well because I saw worry in her eyes. You know, I saw this, oh, who are you? You were right. able to just kill a whole village. Right. And and there's, yeah, that's that's just, I don't know. It's genocide. It's, it's mass murder. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how else to, <laughs> to deal with it. And then they, they play up the whole Western frontier town, you know, the, the cowboys and Indians sort of trope as with uh, Tuscan Raiders being these savage wastelands people. And then they spend a whole two, three episodes of Book of Boba Fett rehabilitating uh, and, 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 you know, course correcting for, yeah, for it makes that, it way so. worse, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Makes this, makes this whole genocide way worse. Not that genocide is ever good, but right. it makes it even worse when you're like, oh, they are a complete culture. This is not, you know, a, a, this is not a subhuman species. This is on the level of humans. Yeah. As far as sentience and empathy and whatnot. They live a rough life, but that doesn't mean that they, that you shouldn't have compassion for them. So, yeah, it's just, again, a strange, um, a strange element to put into the story. I mean, I get the fact that we want to get Anakin moving into darker and darker, uh, you know, moving more into the shadow. Um, so, yeah, I guess you, you need something, but then, you know, to bring it back to the Tatooine and the sand people. And just like we were talking about before, and then having Baru and his, you know, or uh, Owen and his, his girlfriend, my girlfriend, Owen, just uh, all of this, just uh vampirism of 77 gets exhausting for me. Uh, I get you. Just yeah. the, the same old stuff over, just pulling it out. Um, yeah. And yeah, it doesn't, doesn't add, when you look at something like Coruscant, which is great. That's a very cool or or uh, um, uh, Camino, right? You mm -hmm. really new ideas. imaginative new ideas yeah. moving forward, and then you just throw us right back into you know Tatooine and and Beru and Owen. I just, I'm going to push back on this one a little bit. I'm going to say uh, there is a mystery of how does Luke end up on Tatooine? What's his relationship with Uncle Lar or Uncle Owen and uh, and whatnot? And I think that. We did not spend a ton of time on Tatooine in this movie. I think okay. we spent an appropriate time on Tatooine. Fair and, enough. And uh, I, I liked it. I liked the sequence other than the stupid lines. I think that this was showing the rage of Anakin come through, showing him tap into the dark side a little bit, showing him give in to his anger and really foreshadows how dark he can get and how grief. And his attachments, which is what the Jedi warned about, right? Yeah, are yep. what pushing him, are what are pushing him towards the dark side. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I will, I will let go of some of my hate. <laughs> I just think, I, I just think. Look, if if we got to Revenge of the Sith and he had never shown dark side tendencies before, would have been weird. It would have been out of out of the blue a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So That's I'm glad fair. that I am glad that he toyed with the dark side a little bit here. He does so in the Clone Wars, too. The Clone Wars does a good job of fleshing that out, of him just sort of being pushed to the edge at certain points. Uh, watch the Mortis arc if you want a crazy Clone Wars story about Anakin. Okay. That is where they're on a planet that is the Force. And okay. it's very strange. And some people hate it and some people love it. I'm one of the people who love it. So uh, I'll get there that. eventually, for yeah. sure.
Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree though that we do need an inciting incident for Anakin to uh, really get into his right. his dark. Because we didn't see stuff. that in the Phantom Menace. He was too little. He was right. not tapping into the dark side. We just saw a sweet little boy. Now he's a teenager. He's angsty. He's but angst choices. isn't enough. We got to get him pushed over the edge a little bit. Right. Right. Because this guy's going to be Darth Vader. He's going to be Darth freaking Vader. How does he get there? He needs a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on. Obi-Wan follows the tracking beacon to Geonosis only to be captured by Count Dooku, who was meeting with the Trade Federation to discuss the creation of a droid army and ordered the assassination of Padme. Dooku tells Obi-Wan that there is a greater threat than him, a Sith Lord named Darth Sidious, who controls the Republic. In denial, Obi-Wan refuses to help Dooku defeat Sidious. I gave this its own, you know, point because I just love the scene where Dooku tells Obi-Wan the entire plot, the entire (laughs) issue. He reveals to him everything. There's a Sith Lord. He's Darth Sidious. That's his real name. There's a name, lord named Darth Sidious. He's controlling the Senate. He controls the Republic. You got to take a look at this. This is going to be a big issue. You and I can bring him down. Now, that offer, I think, is be my apprentice, my Sith apprentice, sure. yeah, and yeah, help yeah. me bring him down. This is not let's go team up, be Jedi heroes, and bring him down. So I don't blame Obi-Wan for refusing it. I do blame Obi-Wan for not looking deeper into this. Yeah. Uh, I think th- there are are plenty of places where the Jedi, the Jedi Council, the Jedi Knights are are blind, sort of stumbling around, um, uh, uh, ignorant of the things before them. I don't want to use blind, uh, uh, but I want to say um, uh, unawares of what's right in front of their faces. Yeah, and when they're presented with evidence. It's yeah, I don't know. It, it, it you know, is Lucas saying, hey, this is these plots and machinations are so devious and so deep that the Jedi can't see them, that, that the Sith did such a good job at hiding them. Maybe that's what he's trying to say, because Maybe. otherwise the Jedi just look uh, foolish. This success of Palpatine, we you know, we all know what happens. We all know that the, the Empire becomes a thing. Right. The success of Palpatine is really the culmination of thousands of years of the rule of two, Mm -hmm. thousands of years of working in secret, orchestrating power behind the scenes and finally waiting until the time is right to make their move. And he was wildly successful. He nearly wiped out the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very effective. Yeah. Uh, Some say that power is the rate at which you can affect the change that you want. He's very powerful because right. he's moving whole societies, whole civilizations, whole institutions. Right. And, and like clockwork, he has them, uh, until some, <laughs> you know, random farm boy from desert planet, who's got a bunch of midichlorians, you know, brings right. balance. Right. right. So, Yeah. Well, no, no, that's that's his father. I'm sorry, the 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 son of that guy. <laughs> right. So, the, is this the first time that we're seeing Dooku on screen? I believe so. And okay. and what you think about Christopher Lee? He's coming in. That's a big name to pull in for Dooku. Yeah, a, a big actor, a big name, a big character. Uh, it's a lot. It's it's a, when you consider how much else is packed into this movie. Your, you know, clones, uh, uh, genocide, uh, uh, city planets. 
it's it gets really intense. Uh, and I really like the Dooku character. I like Christopher Lee. He's he's great at playing. He could is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? I right, don't know. Right. You know, Saruman, like, Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re, re, really do you, good. Do you know the story of Christopher Lee explaining to Peter Jackson what noise a man makes when he's stabbed? No, I can't so Christopher say that I Lee do. was like. I forgot the the name of the British version of the CIA, but basically, like he was in clandestine operations. Okay, and Peter Jackson MI said, "Go six, I think, is the foreign intelligence." Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he, so Peter Jackson goes, "Okay, so Saruman's gonna get stabbed in the back now, so he's gonna go, oh, oh, oh. and he and and Christopher Lee goes, <laughs> "No, no, no. When you stab a man in the back, he he loses all the air in him, and he goes, oh." oh. He, he, he tells him exactly what sound a man makes when he when he's stabbed in the chest. Well, Why does he go. know that? Why you know, does he yeah. know that? So he's terrifying in real life. I mean, right. he passed away now, and, and what a shame because he's what a great actor. But yeah, he's the real deal. So when he's giving these speeches, I believe him. Right. I believe how terrifying he is. Right. Uh, and this, I wanted to, this thing that I wanted to go back to really quick too, that was in my mind was the idea of the Sith and there are, there are only two. Mm-hmm. We've got Palpatine and he's got some other, we've got Dooku, we've got Maul, mm-hmm. uh, we've got Anakin and even there, right. With Dooku and, and Maul, they're, they have their own schemes and machinations yeah. running, well, right? That aren't that's, necessarily that's Palpatine's fault. That is okay. Palpatine's fault because Palpatine is the first Sith who breaks the rule of two. Oh, uh, okay. Palpatine has uh, before he even overthrew Plagueis, which was his master, right? I I think he had Maul first, but I could be wrong. You could write in if you if you know. Uh, he had one of them first. He had basically an apprentice that he wasn't calling an apprentice. Okay. And then he overthrew his master, had Dooku as his apprentice, but still kept Maul on the side mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, yeah you're my apprentice, kind of. So he broke the rule of two first. Dooku has Ventress. Dooku has Savage Press. Dooku in one of the books has Quinlan Voss for a time. So it's and Grievous, too. Like, Dooku's got everybody. He's got a full wow. team. Okay. So, so, yeah, it's once Palpatine opened the door to having more Sith apprentices, things just happen. You have you, you have right. Vader and his Inquisitors. You've every everything's out the window once Vader once once Palpatine sort of breaks the the chain. But before him, this was a very strictly adhered to rule, which is how they were were able to operate in the shadows for so long. And not only operate in the shadows, but actually control the fact is if you're if you're going for a dark side. Right, you're going to have some. You know, the the master is going to try to, or the the apprentice is going to try to overthrow the master, and you right. have your own hunger and ego right. that you're you're trying to play. And, and, and so that's if, the point. You get yeah. the strongest people. That's this is their philosophy. I'm not advocating for you to have right. the rule of two. <laughs> this is their philosophy. Is because the the apprentice has to rise up and defeat the master. You will always have the two strongest Sith possible. Right, because there In cannot be a weak locked- person. Just sitting there and right. biding their time. They're locked in this dynamic tension, and right. uh, they're they're keeping each other in check in a way, and then that right. makes them ultimately more effective, I guess. Yes, a lot more ruthless. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough. It's it's tough. Read the Darth Bane books if you really want to learn more about the Rule of Two. They're really good. They're really, okay. really, really good. Cool. Um, yeah. So Dooku as as 
sorry, rather Christopher Lee as Zugu, really excellent. Uh, it's a shame we lost him because I'd love to see him in more films, but right. Uh, probably one of the most interesting characters in the whole Star Wars universe. This person who used to be a Jedi was disillusioned with what they'd become, decided better to join the Sith and try to establish order by, uh, by, you know, being, being more centralized in power, I guess. Yeah. Right. Now I'm famously on record for not liking the curved lightsaber blade Mm -hmm. handles, but I guess apparently that's a thing that everybody loves it. Okay, yeah. I That's just it. me. I'm just yeah, weird. That, I'm going to blame you on that one. Okay. Yeah, well, blame. There's nothing to blame. No, there's it's just blame. A, there's, there's a blame. fault. It's a fault. I've decided. There's the a fault in my stars. Now. Yeah. All right. Last point. Anakin and Padme find their way to a droid factory on Geonosis where C-3PO's head is installed on a battle droid <laughs> and the couple is captured. Dooku brings Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan to a coliseum and sentences the three to death just in time for the Jedi to arrive with their newly minted clone army. Mace Windu beheads Jango Fett before Anakin and Obi-Wan fight Count Dooku, leading to Obi-Wan's incapacitation and Anakin's loss of a hand. Yoda meets Dooku, but Dooku threatens Obi-Wan and Anakin and makes an escape. Dooku delivers the plans to the Death Star to Sidious, and Anakin receives a robotic arm. Anakin and Padme are married in a secret wedding on Naboo. I know I've put a lot here, but it's uh, it's mostly garbage. So <laughs> it is uh, again in a movie that's already packed. This just packs it in even more. Yeah, and we yeah. we establish all of the clone army uh, technology and uh, operational operations and control mm-hmm. and begin and how, the Clone Wars have yes um, all the the ships and and walkers and everything uh, and it's all with this oh hey the the Jedi are are being rounded up and about to be slaughtered but here comes the clone army yay you know, <laughs> Uh, okay, you know. Well, wow. you know what? I, I will say Geonosis has become sort of an iconic battle mm-hmm. on uh, in, in the whole Clone Wars era. And right. it's revisited a couple times during the Clone Wars cartoon. And they even go one more time in Rebels. I don't know if you got to that, but they do go I to Geonosis so. once in Rebels. Okay. Where they meet Saw Gerrera there. So oh, there's okay. A, yeah, so he, there's, there's a lot going on there. A lot going yeah. on there. Um, Saw, by the way, has a big origin story within the Clone Wars, too. Okay. With his sister, how he lost his sister. And it's it's very sad, actually. You kind of see how how Saw got a little the way he is. Right. But as far as Geonosis itself, what do you think of the battle? The battle? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed a little foolish on the heart of the Jedi. Yeah. To to just sort of show up here and think that with a few lightsabers they were gonna you know take on a whole planet so to speak. Yep. Um, yeah, they kind of got their butts handed to them, if I'm remembering right. They they did, and then and then yeah. Yoda's like, ah, don't worry about it, guys. I got all these guys. Just put them in the way of right. The bullets. <laughs> it's cool. So again, I I it just I don't have a great. I don't have a great uh, estimation of the Jedi Council. No, I don't think anyone does. I don't even think the Jedi Council does by the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, then we have the whole uh, Coliseum scene where they're staked mm-hmm. out. and Didn't uh, love that. Yeah. 
shoot them or something. Oh boy. That was, uh, that was also pretty cringy. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of cringe in this part. Yeah. All right. One thing that I will really complain about, I know I, I, uh, don't always agree with you on the whole, Oh, stop bringing up 77. People like the nostalgia, (laughs) but this one did kind of bother me. We need to have Anakin lose a hand the same right, way Luke yes. did right, and right. then receive a robotic hand. Why right. did you need that? He's going to lose his arms and legs anyway. Right. Just, He's going to get burned just, apart. Why yeah. did you need that? It just felt like, hey, remember? Remember when Luke lost his hand? Mm-hmm. They're the same. Yeah. It just just again, needless, needless stuff. Just you're, you're just doing harm to your own storyline. So, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you like that they seated the Death Star here? Yeah, I noticed that when we were doing our live watch of this. I was like, oh, the Death Star, look, it's there. Yeah, yeah. So um, that that it goes back, the plans for it that go back this far, that was cool. David, uh, last thing before we go to feedback, Anakin's wedding with Padme. Did you like <laughs> this? Because I, I actually kind of liked this scene. It was it was actually a nice shot. In the totality of the the movie, it it for me it just washed away. I, okay, I'm, I'm like trying okay. to remember, you know, that they did that, and it, it it's just so many details were thrown at me in this movie, and then you're you you get this. Oh yeah, they're getting married. Oh right. Uh, okay, what does that mean? And then da right. da da, you know, and it's over. All right, David. Time for listener feedback. Let's quickly go through it. We've got just a couple pieces. We've got Ehub writing in. Uh, he says, I'm interested if you have thoughts on this topic. What are the two words placed adjacent one another in Star Wars? Two, the worst two words placed adjacent one another in Star Wars history. I humbly submit that we have them in Attack of the Clones, Jedi business. Uh, enjoyed the Phantom <laughs> Menace pod. Ne- knew my mind, uh, blew my mind when you compared Obi-Wan's pacing to Maul's prowling versus Qui-Gon's focus meditation mm-hmm. i really appreciate some of the cinema callbacks in episodes one and two the pod race scene to the classic ben her chariot race mm, and yeah, the arena scene monsters to classic harry Housen. i don't recall any such specifics in return of revenge of the sith i'll be following this series uh ehoop wrote in again and said okay i have to add one of my favorite spoiler memories from uh, attack of the clones I mostly have been avoiding press and trailers for things like Star Wars and the MCU since around the time of The Phantom Menace. I'd seen one in a magazine from the arena scene where I could see something like 15 lightsabers in a single shot, which was pretty serious nerd candy. In episode one, I knew Maul was going to flip out his Swiss Army double lightsaber, so that lost a little awesome, but I still love his fights. But in Attack of the Clones, I had no idea the clone army was coming in for the Republic. So when the ship came in under Yoda's command and he said, around the survivors, a perimeter create, I almost melted one of the greatest plot twists ever. That's <laughs> see, you know, we're we're over here complaining about the Coliseum scene and Ehoop's having a great time. Yes, he's enjoying it. I do love the call outs to classic cinema. So if you've. Yeah, if you've seen some of those movies and and call back, those are those are great polls to uh, to have, and and they do stand some test, uh, you know, and and are useful tropes in that regard. Um, I think though, when you pack in at least with Attack of the Clones so much into this movie, this is maybe two two and a half movies packed into one movie. Um, it gets a little lost. The the nuance right. you could play with, the fun you could have with it gets a little lost. Absolutely. Thanks, E-Hoop. 
Uh, last one is Sarah, uh, who wrote in, so I have been listening to all of the Star Wars podcasts, which are amazing. Thanks, Sarah. I've noticed that I'm slowly not understanding all the lingo and themes that are coming up in the discussions. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with all the shows. I finished Bad Batch and Visions. Oh, I will good. start Clone Wars soon. I just wonder, and here's my ask, could you do an overarching pod about the themes and big picture conflicts that permeate through it all, movies and or an animation? I am such a big motion picture, uh, big, a big picture person that I think I am now officially entering a land where I don't quite get all the foreign language. I hate it. I am a Gen Xer and I have a deep love for the franchise. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. You're amazing. David, are we going to do a Star Wars Bible? I feel like uh, we've heard an idea of this, but it wasn't from us. <laughs> interesting. Uh, it'd be interesting to do that if we took uh, took apart some major themes yeah. This almost feels too like a, a, a conversation that we would have to have with a few other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we could, but if we could pull back on some of the themes, uh, you know, all, all the Jedi samurai type of uh, things, attachment, love, anger, yep. Yep. Um, Sith, there could only be two. There's a lot of really good stuff right. politics hyperspace even bby yes. here's here's your education for the night sarah bby is means before the battle of yavin which is a new hope that's the battle where the death star is blown up the first time right that's reset your clock then yeah so, <laughs> so. it's like bc ad you know or bce ce so right. it's it's before the battle of yavin so we're 22 years before a new hope right now in this movie you know in the it it does get in in this constructed universe, um, not unlike other deep universes that we've covered in the past, it the the deeper fandoms get very nerdy into this, and the details can get quite a lot. Um, I was just trying to learn a little bit more about Maul and where he comes from and his people. And I know there's very some more cool stuff. stuff. Yeah. And then I'm just starting to realize, whoa, like how did I get here? <laughs> you know, this is uh, a, you can just go on in these infinite directions of things. So, yeah. um, but I do think from a, I guess from a literary standpoint, if we were able to pull back and pull up a little bit and give some um, umbrella uh, conversation that what is this Skywalker saga Right. What is what right. are some of these these issues around cloning versus robotics? Yeah, there's there is a lot being said here. So yeah. we'll have to I think we'll have to ruminate on that. But I think there's yeah. some possibility. Yeah. Good idea, Sarah. Appreciate it. And I'm sure we have some friends out, uh, some of our Lorehound friends who would be <laughs> more than happy to talk. Yeah, to we've nerd got out a family now. Stuff. You know? We do. We do. Are we the fast X of uh, podcasting now? What is that? Fast, you know, the Fast and Furious. Uh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought I heard X. I thought Elon Musk. I don't oh, know. Oh, sorry. That know. was, yeah, that was the last movie. I meant to yeah. say uh, the Fast yeah. and Furious because, you know, family's everything with the, yeah. with the Fast okay. and Furious. All right. All right. Well, that's that for this month of the Star Wars Film Fest. We hope you enjoyed Attack of the Clones. And, of course, we will be back next month. Uh, which actually is this month, because this is now coming out at the very beginning of August. We'll be back with a live watch of Revenge of the Sith and then a podcast on it as well. So hope you can join us for that. Every episode, we like to thank our Patreon subscribers, but especially our lore masters, our top tier patrons. You really help us keep everything running. You help us support our affiliates. You help us keep expanding to new shows, maybe too many shows, but you tell us. And... Uh, 
Every episode, we give a shout out to those lore masters, and they are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter O.H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H., Sarah L., Gareth C., Eric F., Matthew M., Sarah M., DJ Miwa, Andra B., Kwang Yu, Laura G., and Deadeye Jedi Bob. Thank you all so much for being Patreon subscribers. Again, really helps us keep things moving. Like the Star Wars Film Fest, like more Star Wars projects like Ahsoka, and the prep podcast we're going to be doing for that. We're doing two episodes coming out over the next few weeks that will cover her journey in the Clone Wars and then her journey through Star Wars Rebels, the series that came out on uh, Disney. I also want to give a big shout out to our affiliates. Wool Shift Dust is one of them. That's hosted by Alicia. She covered the Silo TV series on Apple TV. Now she's doing a book club on her Patreon uh, where you, I guess you pay per episode and you join in on the fun for her to read the books that the show is based on. I know she's also going to be covering Dune coming up. So stay subscribed to her public feed, even if you're not doing the book club. Also, Properly Howard Film Reviews, hosted by Maester Anthony and Steve is coming back really soon. They're starting with three episodes in August. White Men Can't, Can't Jump, Jump Dune, Dune, which has David and I Robo and Alicia Cop, You got plenty it. of stuff and, coming. Uh, the theme is even remakes, a and they are having a blast with it. Steve is hilarious. Anthony and him just play off each other. So definitely subscribe to their feed if you have not. And, of course, stay up to date on our Twitter or our Discord if you want more updates about that. Then, outside of Star Wars, we're currently covering Foundation Weekly. We've got screeners, so those episodes are coming out the day after it airs. That's when the embargo lifts, so we are releasing them just after the embargo lift. Uh, We are also going to be covering The Wheel of Time in September, as far as regular coverage goes, and possibly one other show, but we will keep you posted on that. As far as our monthly podcast, we just released Silmarillion Stories with Marilyn Arpukila, and also with Marilyn Arpukila. A, an episode of the Earthsea Cycle, which is covering the second part of The Farthest Shore. Don't forget that we will be skipping a month of the Earthsea Cycle in August just because we have some vacations going on. We've got three shows we're starting, so very busy time for the Lorehounds, but you can still expect a ton of coverage. Of course, we'll have a new Lorehounds Play episode this month covering Skyrim, the classic 2011 game that uh, I think changed a lot of lives, changed a lot of hearts and minds of gamers. So uh, Brennan and I will be back for that. Moses and I will be back with a One Piece episode. So there will be plenty of things coming to your ears. Hope you enjoyed. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next month. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. 
This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.